The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Uh, speaking of politicians, Dara O'Brien, the Minister for Housing, was in the Dáil today and he was talking about uh, housing targets and housing completions. 30,000, almost 30,000 homes completed last year, he said, uh, above the government target of 25,000. Well, unpublished research by the Housing Commission it says, it's reported on the front page of the Irish Times today, forget your 25, forget your 30, we need 62,000 homes built per year until 2050 to meet demand. Rory Hearn is Assistant Professor of Social Policy at Maynooth University. Uh, Rory, you're very welcome to the show. I mean, this kind of dispiriting when you see figures like that, it will lead a lot of people listening to this to feel that there is going to be no way out of the housing crisis. Yeah, the figures from the Housing Commission are really important because they do show the scale of housing that needs to be built. Um, And I made the point at the time of Housing for All that the targets were too small, um, that this idea that the the need was 33,000 was too small. And I made the point that they they weren't including the huge numbers of young people who are still living at home in terms of housing need. Um, We have 75%, three quarters of all 20 to 29-year-olds are living at home still with their parents, and yet this wasn't been included. So I'm actually really glad the Housing Commission um, has published, or they haven't actually published, it's unpublished, unfortunately, but have said this. Um, And I think it was quite significant because the report in the Irish Times says that the minister got this report from the Housing Commission in November. And you would have to ask, if he got this in November, why has there been no change to the targets, given they are so far behind what the Housing Commission is actually saying that we need. And even, you know, when we look at the figures out today, 29,000 um, homes the CSO says are going to be built, in will have been built last year. Um, if you go through those figures, um, and for fear of uh, making the ears bleed of the listeners, uh, we would say less than half of those are actually homes that people could buy at least 9,000 of the 29,000 were apartments and about 7,000 of those were in Dublin. So you're talking about one in four of the homes built were likely to be billed to rent at very expensive rents. So the question is, is that a good supply? I don't think it is. And interestingly, we're seeing in the last quarter of 2022, the figures also show a fall off in apartment completions. Yeah. And that is the real big issue that we're seeing, this this reduction. So while the government is, is hitting 29,000 uh, for 2022, it is going to go below that in 2023. We're, we're actually going to be talking in just a moment about the cost of uh, uh, building apartments and whether it is becoming cost prohibitive. But, I mean, were the minister to take on board the Housing Commission's advice and say, listen, we're going to revise the Housing for All plan. 62,000 is the new annual target. To a degree, Rory, that'd just be kind of figures on a piece of paper, wouldn't it? We don't have the capacity to build that many units in a year. Well, this is the myth we don't have the capacity. We do have the capacity. It's, and, and it's important. It's not just like building of new homes. When we look at the level of vacant housing, derelict housing, There is a lot of stock could be brought into use relatively quickly if the finance and the funding was put behind it. And we know that there are lots of workers building things like hotels, apart hotels, you can see them all around Dublin. 
there is capacity there in the construction sector. And, you know, where are the um, builders, what are they going to be building as the investor funds have are going to stop and are stopping forward purchasing? They're going to be looking for work. Yeah. So there actually is capacity. But they're already to, in to the increase. system. They're already in the system. Well, so well, with them in the system, we only get to 30,000. I appreciate some of them are working on maybe commercial units, as you say, and they could be building homes. I'm not sure there's enough for us to hit 60,000, is that? Because you're still going to have to build some commercial well, units and some of hotels. Of course, you're not going to, you're not going to hit 60,000 in a year or two. But potentially within three or four years, you could, if you really went after things like modular housing, expanding the factories, using the factories, as I've said before, you know, bringing whatever construction capacity is there into a public home building scheme, putting resources and financing behind it. I think we could be, and bringing derelict and vacant homes into use, we could be hitting a lot more, closer to 40,000, I would have thought relatively quickly. Um, and, you know, that's what, was, what is possible. Okay. Um, in the meantime, what should or could the government do to arrest some of the more negative impacts of this undersupply? Well, clearly, when we look at one of the most significant issues at the moment is the eviction of tenants in the private rental sector. And we are seeing the eviction ban is in place until the end of March. Um, and there's a huge concern that when that eviction ban is lifted, we're going to see a huge number of families, thousands of families and individuals being essentially put into homelessness or hidden homelessness. So I think the extension of the eviction ban would be a way to give relief to people who are at the harshest end of the housing crisis at the moment. All right. Well, listen, we, we, we mentioned apartments. You mentioned apartments and the uh, slight dip, it appears, in, in the uh, building of apartments. A report uh, by leading consultants, Mitchell McDermott, has found that the hard costs of building a two-bed, uh, medium-rise suburban apartment now over €240,000. Paul Mitchell is one of the authors of that report. Paul, you're very welcome uh, to studio. Uh, thanks a million for uh, taking the time uh, to join us. What is driving up the cost? The costs have been driven mainly by the uh, material cost increases. So we had uh, a number of increases, obviously, through COVID, through 2020 to 2021. At the end of that, we thought, this is us. Obviously, at the beginning of last year, we had the Ukraine crisis and we saw a further upset to the supply chain. So it's mainly the the bricks, the mortar, the metal, the concrete, the rebar, all of the bits that make up Mm. the the pie uh, went up in price. Now, I think what's positive, if we can introduce a bit yeah. of positivity, is that in Q3, that inflation did moderate. Okay. And in Q4, it plateaued. Okay. You know? So so, so at least things are possibly not getting worse on the hard cost side. But, you know, a lot of the things you mentioned there, I mean, they're commodities. There's very little the government can do to control the price of them. So if the government wants to reduce costs, they need to look at soft costs. Is that it? Yeah, soft costs is certainly a place to go. And the other 50% of that cost is is, is soft costs. Like that 240,000 is just the, the bricks and mortar. You know, it goes up to 460,000 for a two-bed apartment when you include the site and all the soft costs. So certainly, and there are there areas there that have been spoken about before. But I think what we have to address is the supply. Mm. You know, we, we've seen with the planning, there's a year's worth of supply last year that has not yet been decided upon by the board. There is another year sitting with judicial reviews. Uh, and I know there are things been done about that, but I think we need more immediate action. We have another year's supply sitting with, that has permission, 
that contractors haven't started building yet. And in our report this year, we actually did the, the detailed research to see why not. And a lot of that, we've got regional apartment schemes, we've got viability issues, and we're going to have more viability issues. So unless these things are addressed, we are not, we will see our number next year go down. So a reform of the planning system, is that what we're talking about? The planning system is under reform at the moment. The draft bill is out today. Mm. Um, It's been 15 months in the making. Uh, We've yet to see the outcome of that. But I think we need more immediate action and and, and one, one simple solution. Uh, we know that the planners have been in disarray and the board and that's been really regrettable. But that's a case of drafting in resource. That's in terms of the millions and millions that we're losing by paying additional rent, by paying excessive prices. You know, more supply is the answer. And that's where we need to focus. And too often do you, I mean, is it is it your view that too often we, we get bogged down in questions of what type of supply is coming on stream? Yeah, we, we need supply of every type. And if you look at the numbers from Housing for All and you look at our output since 2015, we were on an upward trajectory. The flywheel was turning. We were getting momentum. We were hit by COVID, right? And this year, actually, Mm. you know, 30,000 units is good news, okay? We need a lot more, as we've heard. But as soon as the flywheel got turning, we have commentators knocking bill to rent, knocking co-living, knocking investment funds getting involved. We need every type of supply from everywhere for a long time. Um, are you as confident as Rory that, I mean, that, that you could have the labour force in place within three to four years to produce 60,000 units? You know, I, I work in the construction. I've been in, in it for 25 years. I see it day in, day out. There is not spare capacity in the marketplace. Contractors are not going to leave building pharmaceutical plants, data centres, schools, offices to move into residential. Uh, residential has changed so much over the years in terms of laws, in terms of planning guidelines. It's hard to be trusted. Okay. So I, I don't think it's as simple as that. Uh, Rory, I do want to go back to you just on that point. Um, I, I mean, uh, Paul is less confident that uh, there is capacity. Yeah, I, I think that he, what he said there, there's a number of points. Firstly, in terms of the bill to rent, I would disagree that that's a necessarily good supply when you've rents at two and a half thousand um, per month for a one-bedroom apartment. I don't see that's how it's supply. And the other issue he mentioned there was the cost. A significant cost is land cost. The role of large institutional investors in buying up land also pushes up land prices. And it also shows the potential role for the state in providing land at a much lower cost would actually reduce prices if it built in affordability requirements for developments. The other issue is this: the planning permissions um, which where he mentioned the 70,000 units with mm. full planning permission, no, no obstacles in terms of planning that could be built but are not being built. And really there should be a lot of focus by the state on those. And rather than just you know, asking developers, would you put in a notice or would you put in an application to see um, if you're interested in taking up one of our schemes, they should be going to these developers and whoever owns the land and planning permission saying, look, show us. Why is it not viable? If it's not viable for you, we'll do it. And I think there has to be, you know, in terms of the capacity, it's similar. We need to direct our construction capacity to building homes. And if that means putting on hold some other areas of construction, that's what we need to do. Of course, that will be referred to as market interference, and we can't do that. But if we let the market do what it wants to do, we won't see homes built. Paul, final word? 
I, I think you know there's, you know, there's there's practicalities to all of this. I agree, but I, you know when we say the bill to rent is not something that should be used. We need supply. The reason that rents are high is because we don't have enough of the units. That's the reason rents are high. We need those funds. We haven't been able to do it ourselves. And if we keep knocking all the help that we get and just come up with ideas that aren't practical and not implementable, we'll still be here in five years' time. Paul Mitchell is one of the authors of that Mitchell McDermott report today. And Rory Hearn is an assistant professor of social policy in Maynooth University and the author as well of GAFs, a recently released book on the housing market and the situation in this country. Thank you both very much uh, for joining me.